Welcome to the Mr. Bill Podcast. I'm Bill's manager, Anand Harsh. I'm also editor-in-chief of the Unstock.com. Producer Robert, I'm going to do a couple of alt takes here so we can cover all our bases for this slow-moving coup that is engulfing the U.S. government right now. Uh, just bear with me here. Okay, here's take one. Welcome to the Biden administration. It's great that we can have a peaceful revolution every four years to redirect the priorities of this great nation. Okay, uh, now here's take two. Here we are, still safe and sound in Trump's America for another term. I'm so glad he and the Department of Justice were able to sniff out those hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots and remove the Democratic Republic of California and the People's Republic of Oregon from this country. The flag looks much, much better with 48 stars, sir. A nice round number. Okay, and here's a take three. Ni hao to our new Chinese protectors. We're honored that President Xi has graced us with his presence and agreed to take us under his wing and that of the CCP. Bill's guest today is Matt Titel. He's a synth designer and a game developer from Oakland. He's worked at Cakewalk and Harmonix, but now has struck out on his own with the synth Vital, which just dropped yesterday. Bill has been streaming nonstop on Twitch using the synth and is completely sold on it. He's telling me it's going to give Serum a run for its money, so you know he's serious. He's also going to have some special presets available for Vital in the near future, so make sure you're following Bill on Twitch for more info. Also, he's going to be streaming a ton now on Twitch that he can show people Ableton 11. So, yeah, get excited. Speaking of video, Bill's going to have some exclusive shit going up on Patreon here shortly. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash Tunes, And there are tons of other perks like early access to episodes. Finally, please head over to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up to become a hardcore Abletoneer. You get full access to Bill's project files and tutorials, access to nearly 30 sample packs, and you can see those Twitch streams when they are retired onto the site. So there's extra reason right there. All right, here's Bill's chat with Matt Titel. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 yeah cool man well thanks for thanks for doing the podcast it's um yeah thanks for having uh, me on. yeah of course um so i checked out your website earlier just to like get more information about you just because um all i know of you is that you made helm and vital and then just the the limited amount that we've chatted on discord um yeah but I know that uh, on your website, it says you're a developer from Boston. You make a bunch of computer-aided art and music uh, from software-generated riffs and whatnot, and you can turn that into, like, poetry and all sorts of stuff. And then um, uh, I saw, like, a bunch of stuff on your GitHub. There was, like, a bunch of open-source stuff there that you, that you had. Yeah, I um, guess I've hit a lot of, like, different, uh, like, I guess fields or arts, uh, and like, I suppose they all like are, you know, software related. So I guess you're talking about my personal website, which just has like a bunch of like random art projects on it mm. and some like 
less like more you know tools like helm is on there uh but they're all like hobby that's all like hobby stuff um but yeah the computer generated stuff that's that's something i've like that's like what i do for like my hobby i guess is like doing these uh these it's not like purely computer generated but it's like uh computer aided so like Mm. i use a lot of randomization a lot of like a lot of like systems that I build to like make make art, and then I like I'm basically like the curator of the the generated art. That's kind of yeah. I've actually experimented with this a little bit before using stuff like Reactor Blocks and um like the Grid and Bitwig and stuff like that, where you can kind of um you know set up these like logic gates and whatnot using the inbuilt objects right. uh, that they that they provide you to create these kind of weird. Uh, sort of random sort of generated things and then you kind of just become the choice maker of like what stays and what doesn't yeah that's like i feel like the best part of making music or art for me is like deciding what's good and what's and what's bad and like making those decisions i get so like caught up making like riffs and stuff i just can't it started with me just being like i can't spend an hour making like a a melody i i so i just like would hit random until something sounded good uh yeah it's almost i mean i've thought about this a bunch too um it's it's almost like uh oh yeah my cat's gonna hang out um (laughs) it's almost like uh the creative process is just saying no to a bunch of shit right like even if you're being very intentional about your writing and your production you're literally just like uh doing things that you like may have an educated guess of like what's going to happen when you do it, but you still have to like say no to a lot of stuff. It's and, and I don't really look at it as saying yes to one thing. I look at it as saying no to like a million different things. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard to like guide something. It's like, I feel like the hard part is like removing all the, the crap, like, especially with like, if you use a lot of computer generation stuff, it's like, it's it's really hard you like you like this battle of like I want to create a really wide range of things but then I also want to like make sure that the computer generation's like generating mostly good things so I don't have to listen to like millions of riffs I can right, listen so to thousands give it like parameters and stuff so it's not going yeah. so to like a bunch of random stuff you're right yeah so, so it's like making it hit a lot of different things but making sure it actually produces something good it's not just because like if you just click you know just randomize every single note and its length you can hit like every melody but Mm -hmm. listening to all those would be take forever yeah so um one thing i really like to do is create those generated things that sound horrible and then try to make them sound good in context with like reharmonization and like writing a creative beat around it like often um in my process i'll come across something that sucks and i'll be like all right now let's make that work you know like as yeah. the sort of god element in the tune and then i'll sort of fit every like everything around that to try and make that dumb sound work or something like that yeah i, I yeah i i agree i've i've done like stuff like that before but i i can't i feel like i get really subjective in after i've listened to it a few times like something will sound like so bad to me and i'm like okay i'll listen to that a few times but as i like as it loops I start hearing like more and more patterns in it and it's then it starts sounding good to me. And so I feel like it becomes familiar to your brain and then you're more comfortable with it and stuff. Right. So I'll start with like a really bad riff and then I'll be like, Oh, this riff is so 
unique and interesting at the end. But right. then if you Spe- show that to someone, they'll be like, this is crap. Right. <laughs> Speaking of um, generated uh, melodies of like every length and note or whatever, did you hear about those people who tried to create every possible melody and then copy it to a hard drive right. and then uh, copyright like all of them? So like musicians had access yeah. to them all under like an open source type uh, system? Yeah, I did hear about that. It's I don't, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know if that would like hold up in, in like a copyright battle, but it seems like it's more, I feel like it's more like this, like performance art of like, this is why, you know, copyright sucks uh, for like melodies, but I don't, Rest yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting if like they actually, that was in like a court case or something, but. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it would hold up in court. I think it'd be one of those things where if you took it to like, you know, a music expert or a, a judge or something like that and played them two things and you're like, yeah, that's literally just the melody from Hotel California or something like that. You can't do that. And then they're like, yeah, but it's on the hard drive. Man. It's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the funny thing about that is they also infringed on like every <laughs> every song, right? So- yeah, I mean, it's quite possible that they tried to recopyright melodies that already existed for sure. Right. I doubt they listened to it. It's like one point some, something terabytes of MIDI, which yeah. is like, thousands of hours of MIDI. Yeah, I want to like do more stuff like that, but I've been pretty pretty busy recently. Um, Yeah, obviously with Vital. Yeah, we should talk about that because I mean, obviously a lot of people listening to this um, probably don't, probably have never heard of Vital because like uh, the few people I've talked to who are actually even like really heavy into plugins and stuff, like for instance, um, Tipper and Jade Cicada I introduced you to. Right. Uh, they hadn't heard of it, and that's crazy because I mean, like, especially Skylar Jade Cicada, he's like really on the ball with plugins. Like, he has so many weird plugins that I've never heard of, um, and he's always like telling me about new plugins and stuff like that. So I was surprised that he hadn't heard of it. But um, yeah, so you're you're making a synth called Vital, and it's right. uh, um, by the time this podcast is released, it'll it'll be out. Uh, yeah, it might be announced. I'm not sure it'll be. Oh, sorry, fully. it'll be announced. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's hard to like get all the, you don't want to get too much attention early on. So it's like, you want everything to be ready. So it's partially like, I'm not like pushing it too hard. It's mostly like word of mouth right now. Mm. And like mostly through discord, like I, I have like a disc, I do like all my beta testing through discord and have like a good group there. Um, yeah, a bunch of developers do that. Like Killer Hearts also do that. And um, I think Unfiltered Audio also do that. There's like a few oh, yeah. companies where I'm like d- in Discord communities of beta testers and stuff. And it's really cool. I mean, I think it's a great way to do it because then you can like develop, like uh, directly interact with the people who are using it basically in real time, right? It's kind of like right, when yeah. I when I was first using Vital, I like sent you a message with just like my first thoughts. I was like, here's how I feel about it instantly just to like potentially... <clears throat> Um, yeah, it's it, super it's fast. Be... It's like, uh, yeah, it's just like someone has a bug and I can just message them. Doing that over email, people just, you know, people wait like a day to respond. And mm. if you have to go back and forth 10 times, it's like, that's so. And yeah, it's there's good something, for like, something weird about email, right? Like where it just sits in your inbox and you're like, oh, I'll get to it later, kind of, or, right. or just like mark it as unread and just sort of leave it sitting there. Yeah, I, I, that number, that unread number just keeps growing and then eventually I'll just like mark it all red and feel I think fresh. It's, yeah, I think it's because there's this sort of like unspoken, uh, I don't 
don't know, like it, this, it's like a very low pressure thing to respond on Discord because you don't need to capitalize anything. You don't need to right. say like, hey, at the start of the email and thanks, Bill, at the end of the email. And like, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's like this weird formality about email. I think that just makes it like a little bit more effort to, to deal with. Right. Yeah. There's something about it that seems more permanent and you have to like craft it. Right. <laughs> like yeah, you're exactly. sent, you know, you saw, it's how you, res- you know, email your professor or do a job interview or like apply for a job. But yeah. So in that way, I think, yeah, for beta testing discord is way better. Yeah. And also get to lurk on like all the other developers discord. So I can see like what they're doing. Right. Cool. Um, yeah. I also, uh, well, we should keep talking about vital actually. Um, yeah, what, what were your goals with it? Because you'd already made Helm, which was like pretty much a subtractive synthesizer, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like a Helm was like a kind of like a hobby project of mine for, I mean, it was it's a big hobby project because a synth is like a pretty large project. But mm-hmm. um, I basically wanted to make a professional uh, synthesizer that, you know, and I wanted to like really devote my time into it. And I had a few ideas of like, uh, like what I wanted, like a price, the price point is like a really big thing. Um, like I told you, and by the time I announce, I'll tell everyone I'll know, but Vital's going to be free, like the synth itself, yeah. like all the filters and um, and all the features, but then I'll just charge for like content on top of that. Um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting model because it's like <clears throat> the the DLC model, I guess, like or the freemium model, I guess you could call it, something like that. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Like, yeah, I'm not, it's a little bit different. I think, doesn't freemium, I'm not sure if freemium means like you pay for like upgrades. Freemium, I think, yeah, I think that's exactly what it means. Like for instance, um, with Evernote, right? Like which I have open right now with notes in it. Um, it's like you get the free version of it and then you have to like pay $3 a month or some shit to get like some extra features like dark mode and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I, I guess I wanted the whole synth to be free like like all the features but then you just pay for like the content and the presets like presets and, the, and stuff yeah right right, like wave right. Tables. so it's kind of like the fortnite model of i was like you see fortnite like being like the most popular video game probably right now yeah. for kids yeah, yeah, yeah for sure and like one of the most lucrative video games and i'm like i feel like there's a lot of people entering like hobbies you know electronic musicians so there's like a mass of people especially with the pandemic it's like my downloads for Helm have like skyrocketed and I'm like, Oh, I can like, maybe this is like a actual business model. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, kind of like the plugin is the advertising platform and then do what you've done in vital where like you click in certain areas, like the wavetable area. And it has like a little button that says like, get more wavetables from Glorklunk, for instance, like that's a super cool and interesting thing I've never seen, I think before in a plugin. Yeah. It takes, it's like, more effort it's like there's so many things in the synthesizer you have to do it's just like another thing that you have to do it's uh that's you have to make sure it links the store it's just like a lot of extra effort to do that i see why developers just pay the flat price and then you get all the content but Mm. i think it was worth the effort to make sure that uh i actually make money but also like the synth is free oh definitely Um, i mean you said it took you three years to make or something right yeah, it's been a big project. And I, like I write like a lot of people like license um different parts of the synth, but it's not like I had a huge budget, so I had to like write everything. I had to like learn about every single piece. And I I had a lot of experience from like Helm, 
Uh, but I had to rewrite pretty much everything from all the audio code from Helm because like some, like Helm is fine. Like it's a good synth, but it's like, it's not, there's a few things that aren't like really professional quality that I really wanted to make sure were really good in vital. So I had to like relearn about how to make filters and do like really clean wavetables and uh, yeah, have like much nicer sounding effects and each thing you have to like learn like learn how to do a reverb and you have to like go and like spend time reading how reverbs work and yeah um this might be like controversial to talk about but like i kind of noticed with vital the layout and the oscillators and like everything is really close to serum like in terms of just how is is a did you decide that um just because you're like serum is kind of the yardstick of like good sense or I mean, I just, I mean, the workflow is really similar, right? It's laid out in a very similar way. Like, I have the same tabs, mm-hmm. uh, like the same organization. Um, I mean, a lot of things are uh, like very standard now, uh, like with wavetables and going into filters and then, you know, your, your effects section. And so that's like a really standard way. Like at a certain point, I had, it would like a, when early, when Vita was like early and earlier in development, it was a lot. It was really similar to Serum, but now like I've added a bunch of things and I've really emphasized certain things that I think really make Vital unique. Like I have um, this thing called like spectral wavetable warping. It's basically like so like the oscillator warping in Serum works like in ben, one way. Ben plus and Ben minus and like right, the sync right, the, and stuff. Yeah, all those. Uh, but the the spectral warping in Vital is like does things with the harmonics. Uh, so like if you open like a wavetable and you see like the, you see the wave and then you see the harmonics, which are like each frequency you have like the fundamental and the first harmonic and the second harmonic, um, and it warps those around to create new sounds. So like the emphasis on that uh, was like a big thing to like differentiate. Um, like uh, Vital from Serum and like all the other, because there's so many wavetables since that have very similar feature set. Um, so that was like one of the things I needed to, like, I wanted to like really differentiate. But there's like other things, like there's like, there's like the stereo uh, modulation. I don't know if you played with that at all. I did actually in the LFOs. I thought that was really interesting that like you turn the stereo up and it's kind of like doing a slightly different modulation in the left and right speaker. Right, yeah. So it's like all the modulations like split, so you can like have the left control modulated one way and right control modulated another way, and you can like phase split an LFO. And um, yeah, that, so that was, was like yeah, that yeah, creates that was, a really interesting effect. I've I've messed with that quite a bit in the patches that I was making for it. Right, yeah. So there's like there's all these features that are like really different than Serum, but uh, I feel like people are going to be like, oh, this is really similar to Serum because it's like laid out in a very similar way it has like you know your os- oscillator vo- like your voice page and then your uh your effects page and then your matrix page and then there's like an advanced panel uh in, so in terms uh sorry in terms of a synth layout uh is there like any sort of copyrighty type thing like for instance um would it be possible for Steve Duda, for instance, to kind of like trademark that specific layout or for you say to trademark a specific layout and then like no other VST creator is like able to to make a synth with uh, the same sort of outlay? I don't 
it's fortunately like soft like audio plugins don't really have much in terms of like um, patents or uh, copywriting certain things. I've obviously like I made it look like Serum. It would that would they could be like look it looks just like Serum. It's like a people are going to confuse it. Then it would they they would have like something to stand like that. They don't need to patent it or anything. They could probably sue me and like whatever. But I mean, Vital looks really different, like uh, in terms of like style and uh, it's not like a clone of Serum. Um, but yeah, I don't. There's not. It's not like a a very patent heavy field, which is like why so many people can have like the same like very similar like ladder filters and you know. It's not like every feature that a synth comes out with that like there's like a new patent for it. Otherwise, like you know, there there wouldn't be any like oscillator wave warping in certain synths because Massive did it first or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. So in, in that sense, um, does that probably mean that a shitload of synths are just using the exact same filters and the exact same oscillators and stuff like that? Mm, I it's. It's hard to say because I mean uh, the field's really closed. They like keep. I don't really can't look inside and see what filters people use, but I know there's like uh, certain people who license their filters out to like different people in the field, um, and so I think there's like a few of the same filter running around that way. Um, but it's like, uh, yeah, I feel like most people create their own. Uh, filters from like in house, and then mm. they just use them over and over again. Like, I know like you, he does is like it's like a big thing that uh, Urz does is just create these like amazing filters. Um, and but I feel like like I'm talking more like I guess like uh, structure like you can like w with uh, with filters you can have like analog models, and so a lot of really common analog models like a ladder filter, which is based on you know, Moog's original let transistor ladder filter, um, which I think was actually patented so at, at that time, which is why I guess Roland and Korg couldn't make those. They, they had, like, filters that were kind of like that. Like, Roland had a the diode filter, which was, like, mm -hmm. kind of like a ladder filter, but that one with extra connections. Did you make the oscillators in Vital from scratch? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote all the audio code uh, from scratch, basically uh, for Vital. Like I haven't. They're not in hell. It's like all the audio code's new, um, and it took a while to like make. It takes. It, it's weird how long it takes to make a clean sounding oscillator. It takes like a lot of effort. Um, it doesn't seem like it would. Like when you start programming, it's really easy to make your first oscillator. It's like you could probably make it in a, you know. If you're no C++, you could probably make it in like a day or two, like make your first sound and then make your first oscillator. Mm -hmm. But then like making a really good sounding oscillator that doesn't alias or, you know, takes a long time after that. Yeah. So um, I listened to an interview with Steve Duda and he said, uh, you've probably heard the Ableton talk he gave right about mm -hmm. Serum. And he said um, one of the things he said in it was that when he got to the part of making oscillators he realized he would have to go back to university and basically get a degree in calculus or whatever to like be able to do it properly and he was like i don't want to do that so he paid a university student like two grand or whatever just to do all the maths for it 
Um, so given that you did the oscillators in Vital by yourself and they pretty much have all the same functionality and maybe even more than the Serum's oscillators, um, does that mean that you just have like a, a pretty good uh, maths background or something? Yeah, I got a math degree um, in college. Uh, uh, Where did you go to college? I went to Cal Poly. Oh, in, cool. Yeah, San Luis Obispo. It's like on the coast of California. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I I guess my math degree helped. I'm, I'm trying to like, it's, it's hard to know how much my math degree helped and like how much just like reading mm -hmm. things over the, the years helped. Um, it's, uh, there's like so many approaches. I wanted to make like a little talk about all the different approaches to like anti-aliasing oscillators. Cause you can like kind of figure out what a synth is doing based on looking at the spectrogram and how the, some aliases fade in certain ways. And you can actually like, it's like, it's, you have to kind of guess, but there's like telltale signs of certain ways of doing anti-aliasing. And I wanted to do like a little, um, like a little talk about that. But yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, my approach is like, I'm doing all this like spectral warping and stuff, which like uses harmonics, uh, like moves harmonics around. And so I just, in that same process, I just chop off anything that would alias. Uh, so that's like my approach, um, which seems to work pretty well. Uh, like I don't really... Like, I have a lot of beta testers, and there's no complaints. And if you look at the spectrogram, it looks super clean. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't had any issues at all with um, with with the oscillators or anything, like, or, or the filters. Um, one thing I realized, though, whilst making the the preset pack for Vital is the best way to learn a new synth is just to make 60 presets. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like by the end of it, or by, like, preset 50 or 40 even, I was like, I pretty much feel like this... I'm really comfortable with this synth now and like I kind of know it back to front and I never really take the time to do that to just like you know over the span of a couple of days just like pump out like 50 or 60 presets in a new synth but like I can highly recommend that to any producer who's trying to learn a new synth just like make 50 or 60 presets because then <laughs> what happens I notice is like you sort of use up all of the basic like uh low-hanging fruit things of the plugin first and then you've made 10 sounds right and you're like shit i need to make 50 more so then you're like fuck well now i have to really like dive in to learn like more of the stuff that this synth can do to actually be able to like create new and interesting sounds with it so you start to figure out stuff like this spectral uh warping on the oscillator and and like you know dealing with the partials in the oscillator and and uh you know the uh like stereo lfos and like you start figuring all that stuff out to try and uh, get a little bit more functionality out of it. Um, so yeah, I had a pretty good experience in that way with making the presets, and I, I feel really comfortable in Vital now, and I, th I think it's a great plugin. That's that's good to hear because like it's hard. I like I used to make video games, and mm. um, we would have like these long play tests where people would come in, and I'd watch them like play the game for like and forty minutes, and that'd be like a big part of my day is like watching people play the game, and that way you can like make sure everything like works well like if something's not obvious you make it more obvious and you like you basically make streamline the entire um <clears throat> the entire experience but the uh i don't really have a way to do that um for vital like i don't like i don't really have a way like sometimes people will stream uh like through discord and i get to watch them use it but it's hard to like see what 
what they're looking at. It's like, I want to be in the room with somebody and like watch them use it. Mm. Um, because I'm not sure what's up. Like I make it so like it's obvious to me and I like take people's feedback, but it's like a lot of people don't say things, uh, and they just like are confused about something and they'll, they won't say it. But then if you're watching them, you can be like, Oh, this, this is like, this should be bigger or something. Mm, yeah the one thing i found to be confusing when i first used it was just that the filters uh instead of having a cutoff knob have like this fade like bar fader type thing on it like a, right I know, I know like a slider and I, I was just for like 10 minutes or something just like where the fuck is the cutoff knob on this thing yeah uh, i i did break away from some uh common ways of doing things and that's like that's one of them that i feel like is very like elicits like such strong responses or opinions is like people really want the cutoff knob not the cutoff <laughs> slider because it's like kind of yeah. like to, for people who haven't looked at vital it's like a it's an x y pad basically mm-hmm. where cutoff is x and resonance is it's, y and you see it's the, the same as like auto filter in ableton really except it doesn't have the knobs as the replic like as the abstraction of the actual image thing it's like instead a slider i think the biggest problem for me is it just wasn't labeled right because it's just a slider and i was like looking for the word cut off somewhere right. yeah i feel like people are gonna like open up fight and be like okay my tutorial says you know change the cutoff and then it's like <laughs> where's where's the cutoff so i add i, I listened to you a little bit I've, uh now when you click on the on the, the xy pad it shows the word cutoff um mm. Like two little two two tooltips will pop up and it'll show cutoff and resonance there. Nice. Um, yeah, that should make yeah. it a bit easier. <clears throat> so I was looking at your GitHub earlier and there's like a bunch of stuff on there that I didn't know about um that I kinda wanna talk about. We've talked about Helm a little bit. Um, but you made something or you made a few things. You made Mopo, another thing called Cursynth, another thing called Salad, another thing called Lisa, and then something called Twitch, but it's spelled T Y uh, T W Y T C H. Yeah, a few of those are like just um, were rebrand. Like Twitch was like rebrand, like was Helm before it was Helm. It was just like a pre a precursor. Um, and the other ones, uh, like Mopo was just like a library I used in Helm. Um, but the other the other ones are like kind of music or music adjacent like art projects like the 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 Lisa one is like kind of was based on Lisa Jew curves. Mm-hmm. Are you oh, Lisa, yeah. yeah, it's um Lissage's curves are kinda of like something you can do with a vector scope that yeah. kind of shows you like a representation of the stereo field. Yeah, it's just like a, yeah, just like made like a website where it like draws each sample on an XY and then like the left is one dimension Y is the other. So you could like create your own and rotate it around and it's basically just like way to create quick things like that um, nice and salad sounded pretty interesting it was like a a, a javascript uh chladney chladney patent generator i don't know how to pronounce that Clad, i think it's Schlad, cladney or chladney or i, I don't know Clad, yeah. yeah they looked like I'm, cymatics kind of oh yeah yeah, you know yeah. cymatics like with the sand on the resonant object, and then you apply resonance to the right. Object that's exactly and... what it is, actually. The that's the um, that's the those those patterns that come out are named after that um, that artist, mathematician. I don't know, mathematician yeah, maybe. Cladney or whatever his name is. Yeah, it's basically the resonating plate, and it's a really slowly resonating plate. Um, basically, what's what's happening in that um. 
in that uh, website. And so you can like see like mm. the waves like move in and then become like stable after a certain amount of time. And then you, but then you can like retune it and then it creates like these really crazy patterns. It's so fucking crazy that that happens, right? That you put a bunch of sand on like a piece of glass or whatever and vibrate it in certain frequencies and it makes these really beautiful patterns and then you vibrate it in other frequencies and it just looks like chaotic sand. Right. Yeah, the, it's it's really weird, the patterns that come out of those things. It's You feel like it would just be like, like the harmonics in one dimension are all just like, you know, just one set, you know, it's like a very easy to understand pattern, but like with those curves, it's like really complex and like you can what i would have thought would happen like if if i'd never seen a cymatic thing before and you just asked me for the first time ever like bill what do you think is going to happen if i put sand on this thing and vibrate it i would say at high frequencies the sand's going to vibrate like a tiny amount like a millimeter Mm -hmm. and the lower you go with the frequency the higher the sound the sand is going to bounce that's what i would assume would happen and yeah, it would just think, like kind of stay where it is for the most part, but sort of like, you know, jump around because that's what sand might do. Yeah. Right. I think those the sand like congregates certain areas because that's where it's not vibrating at all. Oh, uh, interesting. And like, it's weird that it doesn't vibrate in these like patterns, like circles. Yeah. So like, you know how like a string will vibrate? Like if it's like, and it'll just, you'll have like, uh, like I'm going to show with my hands, but people can't see that but like it'll have you'll have like one node and one uh one trough i guess and then they'll like alternate mm-hmm. like that if it's yeah, like yeah. vibrating in the center piece like if that's like the center of that well is not actually moving at all and so uh, the, yeah, the sand gets like kind of pushed there oh huh, um, interesting so it's kind of like the the object has its, its own zero crossings yeah so it's like measure it's like basically the sand goes to those zero uh areas there's like node areas. I think that's what's happening in the, the in the in yeah, those that curves. Would, that would make sense. So it's like resonating, and then like there's certain spots where it's like it doesn't actually move at all, and so that's where the sand goes. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so there was another thing, Cursynth, that said, uh, and I didn't even under, understand this explanation at all, but it says <laughs> GNU N curses terminal synthesizer. I don't even know what that means at all. <laughs> that oh my gosh that i was like i don't know i thought it was like i was um let's see how do i say it it's basically like a, a synth that runs inside a terminal and if you don't know a terminal it's basically like it's like a command line mm-hmm. so you open up like <laughs> you open up uh, your command line and to like you know type whatever and you can launch this synthesizer inside of it and it's all ascii uh it's all ascii art so like the, all the sliders are all just generated with ASCII and the logo is ASCII and it's all generated like that way. So you don't need like a actual, you know, it's not an actual GUI. It's like all just text, but it makes like yeah. a little synth. Yeah. Have you ever used the synth Sonic Pi? Sonic Pi. It's the, it same kind really of, fam- it's the same thing. It's where it doesn't have like a proper GUI. Um, you just sort of like type lines of code that some guy uh created um although the code is like all just uh uh, like arbitrarily sort of assigned to sonic pi to actually trigger another piece of code um but then you is that for the raspberry pi is that what i think it like might have been based off that but i mean it's it's just a piece of software you can install on your computer and you basically just write these like short lines of simple code to create music but it's pretty annoying to write music that way 
yeah. seems like the only person who can do it is the guy who made the program. <laughs> oh, dear. There are some like really interesting like text, like you programming languages that are just geared toward making music. Like uh, for a while, I was really into Super Collider. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I have heard of Super Collider. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I heard of them is because they had this really cool. Um, I guess it was like a competition where they would make songs in under 140 characters. Oh, interesting. That's kind of like demo scene stuff. Right, right. Yeah, it was very similar. Yeah. But it's really crazy, the stuff that came out of it. Like, I it's, I keep listening to them. Like, I keep going back, like, years later. This is like, I don't know, it's probably like 10 years ago now. But I keep going back and, like, listening to them. They're, like, mm-hmm. really just, like... I just can't, I can't, I don't understand at all because like they're almost illegible because they're like, you know, compressed so much, like a variable is like one letter. And so you can't really understand what's going on, but it's like very. Like you can't understand what's going on in the code or in the music? In the code, in the music, it's like, I mean, it's, some of them are like really basic, but then other ones are like really complex and they use like these random chaotic patterns and like they, they basically found like a pattern in because you can it's a way you generate r- random numbers is like you can seed it and then you get a, a pattern do you, uh so like you can like ha- generate the same random pattern if you just like give it a number like 10 all the time and you mm-hmm. can generate the same random pattern and so like they probably found a really good pattern with that was like this one number and then they like put that number in and then generate the music based on that Mm, interesting speaking of randomization in music you might be an interesting person to talk to about ai and music um so i've kind of been thinking for a long time now probably like this is something that i've been pretty semi interested in for like four or five years now is the idea that like ai could write music to the level of a like human right because i understand obviously what goes into the electronic music writing processes i've done that a lot and i understand that it's like thousands and thousands of decisions that you have to make uh to get from no thing at all Mm -hmm. to like a finished piece of music um but the more i think about it the more i think like i do similar things all the time and Mm -hmm. i only have like you know a limited set of things to pick from like samples and vsts and there's only like a limited amount of stuff that the software i'm using can even do um although there is some like weird random things that I think would be hard for a computer to do, like go outside and record some field recording and bring it inside and have like a really bespoke recording or something in in a piece of music that no one else has ever used because I just recorded it or something like that. But, but you know, in saying that, it's like, what's the difference to a computer if it just knows what the spectral profile of something is and it can just like recreate it out of sine waves, you know, like it doesn't really matter. It's like, oh, I, you know, I, I know every now and then you bring in a spectral profile like this from the outside. So I'll just recreate <laughs> that with sine waves. Um, so it's something I've been yeah, interested in for a while. What, what's your sort of view on, on AI music? Yeah. I mean, I'm not an AI expert at all. Um, Me either. But yeah, I don't, it's it's like a whole other field that I don't really I haven't really touched. Uh, but I mean, I, know, I do have some thoughts on it because I, I mean I've generated music before and like I, I follow like the scene like the the AI scene like what like the images that are coming out of like Google's uh, oh, what was that thing yeah yeah D-Fine. all those that stuff. Have you heard I, of um uh, fuck what's it called? Uh, this is not a real person.com? Yeah, yeah. It's insane. I think it's, you just 
every I time saw you, you post it somewhere. Yeah, I posted it on Twitter. Oh, yeah. you, every every time you refresh it, the page, it just generates a picture of a new human being that right. is like not a photograph of a human being, but it looks like identical. Like you would, if you just showed that image to someone, they'd be like, and said, is this a person? They'd just be like, yeah, of course, like it's a person. What are you talking about? Yeah, that stuff's, that stuff's creepy because it's like so new and like you, you photograph this, like a photograph right I mean, it's becoming less and less so, but it's like proof that something happened. But now it's like you can generate that, uh, you know. But yeah, that stuff's creepy. Um, but oh, deep, back deep to what fakes. What? <laughs> deep fakes. Yeah, we can. We yeah, can right. The deep fakes. Yeah. But to get back to what you were saying about like AI and music, and if it, I've heard you ask this question to a few people, but like, can like AI like create like a Mr. Bill track? I, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not convinced that that's ever going to happen in, I mean, I, I, like if you make enough tracks, I, I feel like an AI could like listen to all your tracks and then make another thing that would, you would, I might have made that's like possible, but I don't think it's not, you're not, you know, creating just like this space of music. You, you're like expanding on it every single time. Uh, but right, but I, I mean, guess... AI learns too, right? But it's it's hard to say yeah, like, if it would learn in the exact same way that I would because of the experiences that I have versus its own sort of machine learning. Yeah, I guess I like thinking, like the current, the way like a lot of current AI work I fe- works, I feel like is kind of how your subconscious mind works. Um, like, for, for example, um, you say you're creating some music and you... Uh, you know, you decide that you want this snare to like have a certain EQ on it. Um, that is like, there's like, you've repeated it so many times that you now can like create something. You like have this whole experience to like pull off of. Mm-hmm. And then now you can like, oh, you know exactly what to do. Like maybe. I'm, not, I'm just, it's just like a dumb example. But it's like, like the subconscious mind does like a lot of things that are re- that you do in re- repetitive uh, things. Like you look at something and you recognize it. That's like happening. It's not happening consciously. It's happening like behind the scenes. Right. You're saying like things that just sort of become second nature to you in the process. Yeah. Like, like I don't really think about hitting control F and searching for a sample. And I don't really think that hard about like, you know, making a kick drum or something because I've just done it a lot. And- exactly. So like I feel like AI now currently like with like the neural nets and machine learning is that they're really good at uh, be- being a subconscious um, in some ways, like they're bad in other ways, but like they're really good at like, you, like I feel like what you think about your own subconscious is that you are training your subconscious. Like you decide to do certain things and then like I would decide to play a guitar every single day and so you get this muscle memory and like now your body can do it. But like you consciously aren't like you know put the finger here put the finger there your subconscious is like helping right, you along you like muscle memory and stuff yeah like after you've trained your subconscious to do it mm-hmm. uh, i feel like that the current AI is like really a really good subconscious like things you can train it and so things you would train yourself to do you can actually i feel like now you could with like current the next like level of ai's you're going to be able to train that to do something that you want to do but it's never gonna, or at least at least with the current like technology, it's never it's never gonna tell you if something's good 
or something is like you should do something like right, always, i mean the the arbiter of good is like there's a seven billion arbiters of good on the earth you know like there's right. no there's no way to measure like what good is is what i'm trying to say mm, i'm not i mean i feel like there like you don't think there's like some some object objectivity with what's good no i think if there's trump voters and there's uh <sighs> people who listen to like chaotic noise music then there's definitely like a wide range of goods that i can't understand i mean i feel like on the full spectrum like almost all sound if you like think about all sound it's like almost all of it's like just white noise or like noise but well, then it's like, all it's all noise with uh a bunch of shit subtracted from it Right. Right. Sure. Like if you just take full white noise and then subtract a lot of the spectrum, it, it maybe makes a song. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess so. Uh, I mean, I feel like that. Yeah. I, even if quality is like subjective, though, I feel like that even more says a computer can't do that because if it's subjective, the computer it doesn't matter. Because well, it could, it could only do something on the algorithm or the set of data that it's trained on, right? So it's kind of like um, if it was able to like observe my my process like as I'm sort of clicking through windows all the time and doing my own shit, um, if it was able to observe the whole uh, like what decisions I make constantly during whenever ableton.exe is open, uh, then... I think it could like, you know, build a data set over a you know, long period of time that it could learn from and do stuff from. And then also uh, if it just like, you know, say, looked at all of my tracks, it could do the same thing. But um, rather than like thinking about whether or not the things that would create a good or bad, I think it could create something that sounded like me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree that it, it could definitely like learn how you do something and then try and uh, make something from that, like make something that's based that it learned to do from you. Like I think uh, he, there's this really amazing AI um, that creates like uh, death metal, like generated death metal. Have you oh, listened nice. to it? I've not, but I've heard that um, voice generator thing that like the guy ran through uh, Jay Z's voice oh, and like had it had it read out the Navy Seal copy pasta thing, and then it was like so accurate to Jay Z's voice that they got a copyright strike for it. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, yeah, but I that stuff is amazing. But I mean, it sounds you listen to it for long enough that you're like, oh, this is. I hear the pattern. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like AI is really bad at, yeah, it's, it's good at like copying and like things like that, but it's, it's never going to be, or at least with current AI, it's never going to like um, be like, oh, this is new, novel and good. But what about in chess where it's become so novel and good that it's rated a thousand points higher than any human being? Well, it, we've trained it to tell, we tell it what's good. It has a really simple rule of what's good. It's just like, if you win, that's good. But, but like it, know, you, it, it knows what's objectively good in that case to a level higher than humans know what's objectively good because it's a zero-sum game, right? So that's kind of like a good example, I think. I'm, mm, I mean, if you win, I feel like it's both both humans and computer will agree that it's good, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, well, with something like chess, right, where it's a zero-sum game, what right. is good is to checkmate the opponent or make them resign because you're going to checkmate them soon, right? Yeah. So in the in the case of uh, chess and AI, 
uh, they kind of figured out how to make it beat the best human, which was Gary Kasparov in yeah. like 1996 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I think I've watched that game or those games <laughs> at some point. Uh, but yeah, that's crazy how that, that was like a... Okay. But I, I don't think they told the engine what was good. I think they fed it a bunch of games and then said just, like, figure out the point yourself kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, with an AI like that, with a neural net, you have to have some training set. You have to be like this. You have to say what's good and what's bad. And so the mm-hmm. the humans t- tell it what's good and what's you like. Basically, you, I think what... I think what happened, what they do is they play the game. The thing is playing a bunch of games against itself. Right. Yeah. To go back to what you were saying about like um, why you don't think uh, AI music, for instance, would ever happen. Um, the main reason I don't think it would happen is just because there's not a lot of reward for doing that. Uh, I think like the only rewarding thing for it is like uh, if you made a lo-fi hip-hop generator to like run on YouTube 24 seven for stream revenue or something like that, that <laughs> right. that'll maybe be like one reason. Or if, you know, if you just wanted to make a shitload of free music for advertisers to use or something like that, but that'd be kind of horrible because that'd put a lot of musicians out of jobs. Yeah. I, I do feel like, I mean, I do think that AI is going to like change music, but I feel like it's going to be more of a tool mm. and less of a replacement so it'll be just it'll just be like you are now controlling this like really powerful AI and you like tell it what to do. Well, that's kind of happening now, right? Because um, you have like a lot of these people who, like for instance, uh, the plugin by Accusonus Regroover. They say that that uses AI in some way to like split the stems out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that term AI gets thrown around a lot in some of those yeah. generation plugins. Like, there's another one called Ohm something. What's it called? I can't remember, but it's like um. It's kind of like a chord generator where you like say, I want to have a D sharp minor chord progression with this much randomization and this much stuff. And it just generates it. And they, they call, they throw the word AI around for that stuff too. But even, I mean, I think I can, I don't yeah. think that would require AI to do really. Yeah. I, I feel like people just use it cause it's like super catchy. Yeah. yeah it's like a, a buzzword or whatever. Right. I mean, I feel like once there's a really good AI that's like consumer grade, we're going to like really know about it um well i mean there kind of is right because like um there's like the whole deep fakes thing happening now where people can just like download some software on the off the internet and create a baby's head accurately posted onto elon musk's body (laughs) smoking a joint on the joe rogan show or whatever you know okay i is that actually true i haven't seen that yeah that's a thing that exists on youtube that somebody (laughs) just in their bedroom made yeah, I mean, I was, I, I guess, I was talking like audio specifically. Um, I mean, I think I there's some there's something that seemed really cool. I, I haven't tried. Uh, I think it was XO or. Um, oh yeah, the sample map thing. Yeah, yeah. Have you tried that? I, I have, yeah, and I've tried similar things too. I think it's really really cool um, yeah. that you you feed it. So for people who don't know what it is, uh, the GUI just looks like a black empty window, and then you feed it uh, a corpus, so like a giant set of samples. And then uh, it will split that uh, those samples from the folder you feed it up into like colors and an XY grid. And you can kind of like click through this like big grid of mini dots 
uh, where you know certain areas of it are all your kick drums and certain areas are all your hi-hats and certain areas are all your snares and so on. And going like up and down will I think do pitch and left and right will do like timbre and length or something like that. So it's kind of like you can just like drag through this big sample map and find a sample that you really want quickly. And then if you find one that you really like, then dragging your mouse just around that small area will give you a bunch of other results that are very similar to that one. Yeah, that that app seemed really cool. I I don't have a big enough sample library myself to like for it to be like really useful to me. Uh, but it seemed like it seemed really cool when I was like looking at all the uh, all the demos of it. I'm not sure if that's actually machine learning or like they analyze it, like analyze samples and like create some interesting space that they can cluster cluster these sounds together. Uh, yeah, how would it, how does it know that like what samples are what? I mean, I would assume that they just like they measure they measure something in each sample, um, and then they create like it'll be like you know something about its timbre, something about its, and it'll like they'll map each 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 of these in a different dimension, and they can cluster things together. So it's like mm. simplifying. Like a, a sample is like is a really complicated value. It's like every single sample is its own value. And so you're trying to like put that on like a really simple, uh, a really simple space. So I guess they're, I mean, I know neural nets do things like that. I, I know that, um, I think that's how um, like uh, the image recognition works. And like, if you can be like feed it a bird and be like, this is a bird because it's seen enough birds mm-hmm. and it can group that. It can like cluster and like learn um, and I think it does like feature extraction, which like really simplifies, um, which really simplifies a sample, like a, an image or a sample. But I don't know if, I don't know if Hexo is doing that. I would, I want to look into that a bit. Yeah. I don't think it's like synthesizing anything. I think it's just like organizing in a big grid or map sample map kind of thing, like what, which samples are which and sort of groups them visually. Um, speaking of generated stuff, you you have like some generated poetry on your website, right? Yeah. Did, did you read that? I didn't read it, but I just I read like a couple of lines, but I just sort of kind of saw that it was what it was, like generated poetry. And I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Could be something cool to talk about. So like, what, what's the process for making that? It's actually really simple. Um, it basically is, uh, here's, I can tell you, the program's like, extremely simple. It basically looks through millions of poems and then records like every five words and like puts into a big database. So now you have like a huge database of like groups of five words. And then when it wants to generate something, it picks a random word and it's or like, like, okay, what random, comes after this a, word? A random word or a random grouping of five words? Uh, well, yeah, you'll just start with like one word and then it'll generate one word. And when, then eventually you have five words and it's like, okay, what follows the like the last four words of this poem? And then it'll just generate the fifth word. And then it'll be like, okay, now what generates, what comes after the next four? Uh, you know, at the last, you know, it's like you're taking basically the last four words of your poem and then generating the next one based on this huge database, uh, oh, which is like really simple. I mean... The first, the first one would just actually spit out a poem. Like the first thing I made would actually just spit out like the poem verbatim. But then like you just say, don't generate, you know, don't use these words because it's that was part of this poem, and then it'll it'll deviate. 
Right. Like, and um, do you have to like do any input to start it generating or do you have to intervene at all through the process to, to finish it or? I mean, it'll just, or? it would just keep, it would just spit out it. Like it, I, I would like sit at my computer, like when I made this, uh, I would just like sit at my computer and read it as it was like generating it and see if anything interesting <laughs> popped out. And basically the, 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 the po- these poems are just like, oh, I find like this like phrase this like you know two sentences that sounds like really good and I like crop that out and put it into a poem and I did that a few times and that's each poem is like probably like two or three clippings from from this like mass amount of text. That remind yeah that gives me two ideas. One idea is um Brian Eno's uh, tips for writing music, whatever it's called. Um, what's it, that Brian Eno thing? It's uh, anyway it's like a bunch of uh, it's called um oblique strategies I think or something where there's like a bunch of cards and they have ideas for like how to generate creativity, but they're all sort of like old school now where it's stuff like, uh, I'll just like Google it and read you some. Um, Brian Eno oblique strategies. Okay, so like um, one of them is discard an axiom. Another one is uh, go outside, shut the door. Another one is, uh, hmm, let's see. Discard an axiom, like, yeah, that's so of that, vague what you will. enough to work. <laughs> Another one says, what wouldn't you do? Another one says, abandon normal instruments. And another one says, ghost echoes. Um, <laughs> so it's like just a bunch of things that are supposed to like incite creativity during the creative process. That's and, cool, um, I like that. Right. So one idea I, I was just that came to mind when you're talking about a poem generator is like just instead of giving it a database of poems, give it a database of shit like Brian Eno's oblique strategies and have it just like pump <laughs> out sort of messages that might give you ideas. And then the other thing that gave that I had an idea for is, um, you know, that game where you like somebody folds a piece of paper into three and you draw the legs and then they draw like the body and then you draw the head. It's called like uh-huh. beautiful. Um, Exquisite, exquisite corpse or? yeah exquisite corpse right yeah it could be something like that too right where like um that, and that's what i originally thought you were saying is that it, it the thing would pick five words and then you'd write five and then it would write five and then you'd write five or something yeah yeah oh yeah i guess they do that with with uh poetry also like you see the last line and then you write your i think that's i'm not sure if they call that exquisite corpse also but hmm. that's like a yeah that'd be like a fun way to uh like to create something and that's something i like really like doing because i get i get so bored with myself i get really bored it just like i like make something and like i listen to a few times and I'm like okay this is garbage but like interacting with computer it feels like more i don't know inspiring inspiring or maybe i should use the brian emails uh you know i like agree yeah, it's it's awesome i think to treat the computer as like another collaborator that right. has some input as well, you know, like, and, and that it's, and treat its input as sort of as valid as another human collaborator's input would be. I definitely Right, yeah, do you that can't throw anything out the computer makes. Well, you know, I mean, to a degree. Right. <laughs> I never say you can't do anything in the creative process, right? Right, of course. I mean, although creative limitation is good, I think at some point in the process, if you know something is better for the track, but it goes against the, um, the sort of barriers you've put up for yourself to, kind of generate creativity in the first place then you should always 
just be like, fuck it, I'm going to do the thing that makes the track better. Because like the idea yeah. was to generate the creativity in the first place. And if you're getting an idea that would make the track better, then you've generated creativity. And therefore that I, that generation technique worked and you don't need it anymore. Exactly. That was, you, yeah. You don't want to prioritize the process over the end, end goal. Except for when you do, right? Like you know, just for lols or whatever, like want right. to prioritize the process, just like, oh yeah, I made this whole tune with my ass. So like, <laughs> like some dumb shit. Speaking of um, like randomization stuff, um, like it seems to be a thing that you're super into, uh, but I noticed Vital doesn't really have anything like that in it. Um, is that something that you'd maybe want to add to it at some point? Well, it's got the random, random section. It's like a random uh, modulator. Uh, which has like a few different modes. It has like a sample and hold, obviously, and but it has like things like Perlin noise, which is more like a thing you see in video games, mm-hmm. um, which is like kind of generates like a a noise, like smooth noise at a frequency. Um, but it, so it has those it has those randomizations in it. But I think you you might be talking about randomizing controls in the synthesizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just cut out again. All right. Um, um, I mean, I think we've got like enough to make a podcast out of anyway. I think like what we talked about was really interesting and cool. I think people will find it super interesting. But um, yeah, I guess like uh, to, to end it, um, I mean, people, once, once this is out, uh, Vital will be at least announced. So what's the best place um, for people to go to like find out more about it and uh, get notified of when it's available for download, of which it will be free download um, and all of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, the website is vital.audio. Uh, I got like a, one of those expensive .audio <laughs> top-level <laughs> domains. Uh, but yeah, you can just go there. Um, you can also like follow me on Twitter, which is Matt Titel, T-Y-T-E-L. Uh and I, I like post. That's like where I post most of my like video teasers and like announce stuff like that. Um, but, but yeah, basically the website. Um, and yeah, it'll the information will be there of like when it's coming out, and like it'll have like a I have like a video like showing the interface and showing all like the like teasing some vi- uh, some of the uh, features. But I think at that point. Uh, when this 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 comes out, I'm going to be opening up um, streaming for people who have Vital already. Like I have a, a good sized number of people who have like been using Vital for a long time, and they all want to like start streaming it and like showing it off to people. So I think I might open that up, so you might be able to see it. Um, oh, nice! In that case, um, I stream on Twitch all the time. I'll I'll happily go on there and stream my use of Vital. Yeah. So tune into uh, Mr. Bill's. <laughs> uh twitch and then uh you can see vital in action uh yeah i that's about it uh for content i'm gonna be i have like a little press kit i'm gonna send around so hopefully it'll be like on blogs and things like that uh also awesome man well yeah thanks a lot for coming on it's uh been yeah thanks for having me really good chatting to you yeah it was fun yeah uh but maybe when i'm in uh san francisco uh we can like grab a beer in a park or something Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, I come to San Francisco every once in a while. Uh, but Yeah, don't you live in Oakland? Yeah, I, I, I'm i in Vermont right now, actually. I'm like out in like the woods, basically. 
but I usually live in Oakland. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually coming back in December. I mean, I've living, been living here for a long time, but I'm coming back in December. So I'll let you know when I'm, when I'm back and we can maybe. Meet yeah. Up. Nice. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing in Vermont? Uh, basically my partner's, um, uh, parents have this house in like really rural Vermont. It's like really amazing to have space. Cause I live in like a one bedroom in Oakland and we were both working from home. So it was kind of crazy, mm. but yeah, now we're just, uh, we're in like a, it's like a much bigger house and we have like this, like we live next to this outdoor center, which has like a network of trails and so we oh, just like nice. go on the trails all the time. I picked up like, I know you like mountain bike, right? Oh, dude, I, I fucking love mountain biking. Have you been mountain biking? Yeah. Yeah. I've been mountain biking. Well, it snowed, so I can't really mountain bike anymore, but I was mountain biking until I, I got into like an accident and. Oh yeah. That'll happen. Mountain biking. I sure. messed up my face really bad. <laughs> so, oh shit. When? Uh, it was like a month ago, maybe a little more than a month ago, but oh, it's almost all look- healed now. I, I, I still have a scar on my forehead, but. I just like, they have like these, uh, these like, I guess they're like bridges. They're like, you know, hand, you know, like handmade, like uh-huh, wood. Like wood. Yeah. 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 And I just like, there was like one that went through like two trees and my handlebar just like clipped one of the trees and I fell off the bridge and on my face. And, but yeah, you got to be careful of the, the pedals and the handlebars clipping on the sides of shit. Yeah, and you're facing in the ground. That's uh, yeah, yeah. You gotta be careful of that for sure. <laughs> I just did like I just took like, a nose dive. Mm-hmm. It was like I was like trying to ride. It. I was like, oh, maybe I can ride it out. And then I just so I had my hands still were still on the the handlebars when I like oh, man. hit the ground. So it was pretty bad. But yeah, maybe get my, a, have you got a full that? have you got a full face helmet? No, no. I just my face was really scratched up. Um, mm. So you got a full face helmet. You would have been all right. Right. <laughs> It's not downhill, so it's like it's just like um, more cr- uh, trail riding. But right. yeah, maybe I should have had a full face one because yeah, I don't have a full face one, but yeah, a lot of people have been telling me to get one. Yeah, um, if you're doing a... downhill, it's you like. Are you, do you do downhill or do you do like more trail riding? Uh, I try to go for like flow trails if I can, like stuff that's like not super rocky and not super like not a lot of drops and crazy shit, but more or less just like lots of berms and kind of like rolling jumps and stuff like that. I, I really like that stuff. But yeah, um, I had a few accidents uh, oh, yeah? a couple of weeks ago on a trail and um, yeah, I think I bruised one of my ribs and definitely bruised up my knees and legs a bit. Well, as long as nothing's broken, I guess. I don't think anything's broken, but like I thought my rib was broken and then uh, and then I uh, realized like after just doing a bunch of Googling that it's probably not broken. It's um, probably what's called a bruised rib, which is still annoying, but yeah, and it still hurts and this was like a month ago. Yeah. Did you, I, I've gotten into so many accidents. Like I feel like I like, I don't know if I'm just like taking too many risks. I, uh, I probably well, should it's, be easy. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of fucked there, right? Because like it's mountain biking is so fun when you're sort of riding a little bit on the edge, but it's like a fine balance, right? Because you want to ride on the edge and take a little bit of risk because you want to get better and that's the only way to get better. But you also don't want to like ride out of your skill level to the point where you're like fucking yourself up all the time. Yeah, I think that's what I was doing. Yeah, I try to not do that as well, but it's tempting, right? When you see something that's where you're like, 
your confidence up, uh, confidence is up because you haven't right. had an accident in like a you know, couple of months or a month or whatever. And then, um, you know, you've been hitting stuff faster and faster and you've been fine and your skill levels are building and all of that kind of stuff. And then you're like, oh, I'd probably be fine hitting this thing. And then you have an accident. Yeah. Yeah. That's how everything has happened. I'm like, I'm feeling so good. And then boom, it's like really, uh, really knocks you down a notch. Mm, yeah and then your confidence you have to rebuild it all again yeah and then i stopped biking for a few days and then it's hard to like the last bike was like my accident and then, like it's hard to get back on yeah, yeah i yeah i mean it's gonna be it's snowing here so i don't know if i'll be doing much more of that but i do have some like cross-country skis i might take that up i think it's more low impact than than mountain biking that sounds pretty fun. I've never done cross-country skiing. What's the appeal to it? Uh, I don't know. You get to see a lot of the forest, and it's just kind of like... It's like these... Uh, around here, they tr they groom the trails. They're, like, really, really packed. So it's kind of like... It's almost like ice... Like a, I got these, like, skate skis, so like it's kind of like ice skating, but it's like you're on skis, and you, like, basically like, zoom around, and you can go... Like, the trails here go for, like, you know... 30 miles so you can like really go places and you go fast so it's kind of like you know a way to get around and a, a way to see a lot in the winter so um, yeah that's awesome that sounds great yeah sick man all right well um yeah. yeah if you just send me over your audio um i can compile it all into a session and then i'll send that session to my podcast editor robert and i'll cc you on that email and then that email will sort of serve as the like thread where everything happens in regards to this podcast's release perfect sounds good cool man all right thanks a lot have a good one yeah you too Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you. Hello, hello.